0: How many of us know it is good to be grateful? Matter of fact, gratitude is one of the most beneficial human emotions. And we're about to celebrate a whole month of gratitude. Start now. Amen. Let's start being grateful even now. Um, how are you feeling? Did your, did your college team win yesterday? Um, not sure. Not sure. Some of you are, are more upbeat than others. But how many, us, how many of us know we're here for something far greater? We're here in this house for something far greater, and I just want to encourage you to, uh, to be ready for the blessing of, of, of the Lord. The Bible says that uh, the Lord speaks out of the need of his people, and so, you know, it's interesting because we went to Gateway a few weeks ago, and our whole team turned to me and said, Pastor Chris did you know they were going to all be talking about David? I said, I had no idea. Every pastor that was on the platform hit on David, but the Holy Spirit did. Yeah. Amen. The Holy Spirit did. It's interesting because I called my father the other day. I hadn't talked to him in a, in a couple months. I know, bad son. Um, and and how, why do you think I was feeling convicted? I called him up and he says to me, he says, oh, my lost lungs, lost." long lost son. That's what he said. Long lost son. And I said, I know dad, you're just as busy with the church as I am. He's preaching, he's pastoring. And I I hadn't gotten a call either. So, and it was my birthday. (laughs) And so he's like, I called you. I said, I know, I know you called me late at night, but that, and who's, who's keeping track? I love you. I love you. But this lady, he goes, Hey, I want you to go and check out my, my message on David. I, I feel like the Holy spirit was really and I just I just had to laugh. And I said, Wow, Lord, you're amazing. Because you've been lining up your church by your word. And I truly believe one of the reasons he's he's having the church, and not just our church, but but many churches focusing on David is because in uh Ezekiel 37 he speaks of David ruling from Jerusalem again. Now, of course, he's not talking about king david of the old testament but what king david of the old testament represented the chosen one of god which would be jesus christ and jesus christ will come in the manner of david in in a manner of a new covenant expression of david and he will rule in jerusalem and how many of you know jesus is coming soon he's coming soon so i want you to be ready i want you to be ready last uh we we celebrated two things this past week as a church well, mainly as, as a family, um, we celebrated our beloved sister, Barbara Bolonski's home going. She uh, went home to be with the Lord. And as I look over Barbara's life and I got to talk to her family, you picked up something really, 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 really um, special that she finished better than she started. She started without Jesus, finished with Jesus, and she just gained more and more and more momentum as she poured out into her family and all her family members spoke of her her touch and her lasting influence not only that they were amazed at how many disciples she was able to to affect in this church so isn't that beautiful and it reminded me that life is short life is short and I want to finish better than I started amen There's some things, Lord, I'm not so proud of, but man, God, I'm looking towards heaven. I'm looking towards you. I cannot wait to walk from this earth into eternity. And Lord, that I may hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. How about you? Are you ready? Are you ready to to see your Lord? Also celebrated my daughter Evelyn's 17th birthday. Wow. So Evelyn, 17 years old, and uh, she's already talking about a car. She likes classic cars, so I'm kind of excited about that, because it could kind of be a dad-daughter car, maybe. (laughs) Anyway, um, anyway, how many of you know life is good? Are you ready for God's Word? If you're ready for God's Word, I want to remind you of where we've been. We've been in the middle of a sermon series on David, and last week we we covered 2 Samuel chapter 6. Today we're in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Because the more we dig into God's Word, just the deeper it gets. And last week's message was entitled, Worship. This week's message is, Dance with all your might. Dance with all your might. We're going to cover three basic points. Now, the points are one word, Yeah, one word points. The first one is Mikal, which is David's first wife. The second point is dance. The third point is David. David. And I pray as we cover these points that you would ask the Holy Spirit Spirit of the living God, is there something you want to reveal to my heart? Is there something you want to speak to me through your word? Help me be attentive, help me be sensitive. That I may be blessed by you. Amen. So let's start off. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, how many of you pick up some all the beauty and the texture of that mess, of that, that first line? David danced. Now, something that we know that, that kings don't often dance. Because it's not always viewed or looked upon as, as dignified, yet you have a shepherd king who has no time for all those, those earthly type of uh, what do you call rules and, and, uh, and customs and manners. He dances before the Lord. But, but this is what I really like. He danced with all of his might. So he didn't half step it. He didn't kind of, sort of, he didn't just fall into it. He didn't do it just to do it. He did it with passion. Come on, how many of you have been taught by a father, a mother, a coach, a a teacher? If you're going to do something, do it with all of your heart. Do it with all your might. I love this about David because David really went for it. He danced. Now, let me ask you this. What does dancing signify? Celebration even till this day, it signifies celebration, rejoicing, victory. It signifies what God has done in our lives. Let me ask you this. Do we have any dancers in the room? You know, it's interesting because every time I've even come close to the subject of dancing, I have some guys that say, pastor, I don't Are you sitting next to one of those guys, ladies? I don't dance. Let me ask you this Has God given you something worth dancing about? I'm gonna ask this side, because they, they kind of half heartedly said yes. Has God given you something worth dancing about? No, 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 I'm not. I mean, just one little itty bitty tiny thing. I know God's not all that great and good. I know that, that sometimes it's just, you have to dig real deep and look hard and long to find that one little, just that little thing called salvation. <laughs> right? I mean, if he gave me nothing else, Lord, that's worth, that's worth dancing about. That's worth getting excited over. So, so before you declare, I don't dance, I want you to think about how good God is. Because dancing signifies what happens in your heart. And before you dance outwardly, before you dance outwardly, there must be a percolating inwardly. Amen? There has to be something that's going on inwardly before it shows up in an outward expression. So I want to ask you, has God been good enough? We're dancing over. Amen. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Wow, we could preach on that too. Um, It was a priestly attire signifying humility before the Lord. Very different from his kingly robes. But let's keep going. Verse 15, so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpets. You know, it's interesting because here you have David coming into Jerusalem with the ark of God representing the presence of God and that was shouting and rejoicing. We would see this again at Jesus' triumphal entry on the back of a young donkey. And we'll see it again when he splits the sky wide open riding on a white horse. Because well, there's so much imagery here, but, but let's just keep going. So I'm going to read a quick verse from 1 Chronicles 15:29 because it, it signifies it it highlights something that I want you to see. As the ark of the covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David that's Jerusalem Michal the daughter of Saul watched from a window. Now now take note that the Bible calls her the daughter of Saul was watching from a window. And when she saw King David dancing and celebrating, take note of the word celebrating, she despised him in her heart. She despised him in her heart. That's very, very important. That's why I highlighted it there. Take note of that. Now let's go back to 2 Samuel and finish reading the account. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, Twice, the Bible refers to her as the daughter of Saul. Is, is the Bible trying to indicate a separation? I believe so because she. Does, the Bible doesn't say "David's wife," or the wife of the king." But instead, the Bible connects her with Saul, her daddy, who was what? rejected by the Lord that, in in my opinion, is significant, especially that she despised her husband. But the Bible doesn't say she despised her husband. She despised the king. Again, separation. You're going to see that the theme of this message is separation. And when you have separation, you have no dancing. When you have distance between you and God, you have no dancing. You say, Pastor, are you talking about the physical? I'm talking about the spiritual. Remember, before you can outwardly express it, there has to be an inward reality of what's happening in the spiritual. In the spiritual. So stay with me on this. She said, uh, she came out to meet him and she says to her husband, but the Bible says, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. She's being really sarcastic here. Be careful with sarcasm. That's another message. Let's keep going. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would do. What is she saying? She's looking down her nose at him in judgment, calling him vulgar and saying, How, how shameful. How shameful. You disgust me. You call yourself a king? Let's keep going. David said to McCall, now watch this. He fires back. Um, you have a little lover's spat here taking place. And this is what he says. It was before the Lord. You know, God, who chose me instead of your daddy and your brothers. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or any from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. That's twice we've seen the word celebrate. See, what he was doing when he was dancing is he was celebrating. That's why I asked, has God given you something worth celebrating? If he has, don't be so quick to say, I don't dance. You may not dance good, so now people are going, yeah, that's you may not dance you may not dance. Good. But you should dance. You should dance. Listen, I will become even more undignified than this. I will be more I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Highlight the humiliated in my own eyes. We'll talk about it later. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor and McCall, daughter of Saul, that's three times had no children to the day of her death. First point, McCall. What do we need to know about her? Well, something interesting, we see that she was a princess in love the first time she's introduced. We see that she had to, what? Depart hastily, or there was a parting between her and David in a haste. We see that she was used as a political pawn by her father, and we also see that she was jilted and spite, and spiteful in her heart and stood in judgment, despising her husband at the end. You say, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute, pastor. Yeah, we don't, she didn't start off that way. So I want you to ask the question to, your, to yourself right now. What happened to have her be a princess in love to all of a sudden a spiteful, judgmental queen that would despise her husband? What took place? What can we learn from this? Now, there's a lot the Bible says and there's a lot the Bible doesn't say. But those questions will lead us to some truth too. At least some questions that we can ask of our own heart and say, Lord, have I lost that love and feeling? Now, read with me in 1 Samuel 18, verse 20, and 1 Samuel 28, uh, 18, verse 28, the Bible indicates that she was, in fact, in love with David. Read here. It says, now Saul's daughter, McCall was in love with David. Watch this. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michal, loved David, so we can take that to the bank. She, in fact, loved David. Amen? Can you remember being in love for the first time? Can you, believe, can you remember first getting married at the altar? Can you, I remember singing to Pastor Melissa, and I was so nervous. I was 21 years old. And i was standing there, a lot better looking and thinner than I am today. And I had to sing to her because I had prepared that, and my mouth was so dry. You cannot sing when you have, like, no saliva. But I remember I don't care. I just want to express my heart to her. I'll express my heart to her because she means so much to me. So she's in love, but what happens? Because of her father's hatred to her husband, she uncovers a plot of her father to kill her husband. She quickly springs into action, devises a plan with her husband to get him out of the palace undetected. Meanwhile, she gets left behind. And we don't know if David ever attempted to to bring her to himself. We don't know if he called for her. We don't know any of these things. What we do know is she's left behind. We do know that David takes on two other wives before he's reunited to her. We do know that David can be somewhat romantic, even though when it came to her, the Bible never says that David loved her. She loved him, but the Bible says he was concerned. I mean, it's just right there in plain English. His thoughts were about becoming the king's son-in-law. So maybe he was more preoccupied with the political game that Saul was playing, just not getting caught up in it. I don't know. We don't know. But we do know this. She went from a a princess in love to completely despising her husband. And I want to ask you this. Can you remember being in love, not so much with your spouse, but with God, where he was your first love, and he had saved you, and he had sparked life in you like never before, where you could sing, and you could dance, and you could celebrate, but life has a way of beating the dance out of you. I can testify to this. I can remember being a A wide-eyed, just completely enthusiastic, over-the-moon, believing that we could change the world type of pastor. And then, whoo, life has a way of beating the dance out of you. It it just came, it it just was so loud and clear yesterday as we celebrated a wedding, uh, the Wobus wedding. Dustin and Carissa got married, and they're having a dance. And we're just, it's just a beautiful time. And they play Jerusalem. You know the song that I've played for you? It swept the world. And I always love when I told people that. I said, this is the largest, most listened to song and video in the world. And people are like, Americans are like, how can that be? I've never heard it. I'm the center of the universe. (laughs) It's like, uh, yeah, there's a big world out there. And it's Jerusalem is my home this world is not my home the new jerusalem is my home so it has a very very beautiful message and i'm dancing to it you know i'm like it's a line dance it's a beautiful line dance and then i started realizing man life has a way of beating the dance out of you i got a hurt knee i got a twisted back I'm 20, 30 pounds heavier than I should be and I'm getting old and I just can't admit it. I'm just going to keep on dancing till God takes me home. Amen. But life is, and maybe you're here today and you're saying, pastor, I once danced. I once celebrated. I once had that jubilant, joyful attitude, but somehow, somewhere I've lost that loving feeling. Hit it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I won't karaoke that song. She was a princess in love, departed in haste. Her husband departed in haste. Circumstances took place where her her own father used her as a political pawn and now she stands as a spectator judging somebody else's worship. How does this apply to us? Sometimes when we lose that loving feeling, we walk into the sanctuary of God with no dance in our heart and we sit there and we watch other people and judge their worship. We become spectators rather than participants. This is not a stage, it's a platform. A stage entertains, a platform influences So let them influence your worship as you remember how good God is. And you might say, no, life's beat it out of me. But maybe you can find that one little bitty thing God did called salvation. And maybe that's still worth worshiping. Amen. Dance, number two. Dance. Now, dance, as I've I've told you, has always been an act of celebrating. We see it here in God's word. But I'm noticing more and more in God's church, people celebrate less and less real celebration. I'm talking about a celebration that comes from within. They chase happiness, meaning they want the right circumstances in order to invoke a feeling, a feeling that should not be external, but a feeling that should be internal. This is why the Bible puts emphasis on joy more than happiness. Happiness deals with what's happening around you. Joy deals with what goes on inside of you in spite of what's happening around you. And so we're seeing in the church today this epidemic that has swept the world, the epidemic of depression, of stress, of feeling downcast and gloomy. And life has a way of beating the dance out of you, pastor. You've already said that. But I want to share with you that in Ezekiel... This very thing is dealt with by the prophet Ezekiel. Now I want to highlight a couple of things about Ezekiel because you're going to read with me verse 30, uh, chapter 36. Chapters 36, 37, and 38 are prophetic chapters that are being, uh, being fulfilled in our lifetime. In our lifetime. What does chapter 36 deal with? I'll tell you real quick. Look at me real co- close. Because so many people don't believe that Jesus is coming and you're going to get caught by surprise. Jesus is coming. Let me say it again. Jesus is coming. If you haven't had that conversation with your children, you should. I sat my son down and I said, son, I want you to know the king of all glory is coming. It's in his word. The signposts are on the on the walkway. You need to take note because the last place you want to be is on this earth without Christians. If you think it's bad now, imagine a place with no Christians trying to figure out what's happening when the world starts to crumble. Anyway, chapter 36 is a prophecy to Israel. About the land being restored. Now there's something interesting. Chapter 36 and 37 cannot be separated. Because the Bible says that Israel, the people, and the land cannot be separated. They go hand in hand. Now that's another message that we can talk about. But I want to give you the nugget now. When you try to separate anyone who has separated Israel from the land. Outside of God's will. When you try to do it without god's prompting or do there will always be severe consequences severe consequences every president of america who's ever tried that has suffered the consequences for our nation when we uphold god's law we're blessed another message let's keep going so the land in chapter 36 the bible says the land will come to life again Chapter 37 is he will bring the people who were dead and were scattered around the earth back to the land and back to himself. Chapter 37 is being fulfilled. Chapter 36 has already been fulfilled. The land is flourishing. The land is flourishing in 36. 37, watch, it's two parts. 37 is two parts. I will gather the people, bring them back to life, and then I will put life in them. Okay. So, so I'll explain that in a second, but are you following me? Are you following me? 37 is the land. I mean, 36 is the land. 37 is the people. You have to take them together. Now watch what he says in 36. Go back to 36. Just, just stay right there until I, until we move. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, so this is a prophecy to Israel. Now, I'm going to highlight a couple of things. The prophecy is to Israel first, to the church second. I do not believe, and we do not believe, in replacement theology. Replacement theology means that Israel is no longer, and every promise goes through the church and the church alone. We believe that God will call physical Israel and spiritual Israel back to him. That is the Jewish people that are in Israel today and that are migrating to Israel today. He will call them back. But we also believe that the church has been grafted into that promise. And we are now sons and daughters of Abraham through the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's to the Jew first, to the Gentile second. To the Jew, this is what he says. Therefore, I say to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone, that's the old heart, out of your flesh, and I'm gonna give you a heart transplant." Of a heart of flesh. No longer will you have that hard heart. Instead it will be soft. Able to receive the good news. What does Jeremiah. His, his counterpart say. Well Jeremiah says. I will make a new covenant. So what Ezekiel and Jeremiah are talking about. Is a new covenant. Covenant. Why is Jeremiah and Ezekiel, what was their main message? Their main message is come out of Babylon and be faithful to God. And God has been saying this through these prophets. I'm going to do a new thing in you. The old was about the law. And you were never able to be faithful about the law. Therefore, I'm going to take out that unfaithful, hard heart that you just could not be faithful and love me. and not God just want to be loved? Listen to what he says. Don't these sound like wedding vows when he says, have no other lovers beside me. Isn't that like a wedding vow? And they kept turning to other lovers. They were committing spiritual adultery before their God. And so the consequence of their sin is separation from God. And when you have sin, it equals separation from God. And that equals what? Spiritual death. Spiritual death. Now stay with me. This new covenant, he starts to address it in Ezekiel 37. And this is what he says. He says, First thing in in 37, and the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. How many of you know this is not a good vision? Not yet, at least. Would you freak out if the Lord brought you out into a valley, and he he spiritually raptured you, so to speak, in a vision, in a dream, or we don't know exactly how, but put him in the middle of a valley full of bones death and decay and this is what he says to him he says this he says son of man can these bones live how about his political answer you know lord isn't that a great answer come on how many of us could learn from ezekiel We feel like the Spirit of God speaks to us and we start talking. And we start saying, well, I don't feel and I don't think and I've had this and Lord, you don't understand. I've been broke, busted and disgusted and they beat the dance right out of me, God. That church did, you know who, Lord. And it was brother so and so if you really want to know, Lord. And I know pastor said to forgive and I tried, I guess I will and I'll pray for him, but Lord, when I pray for him, can you just get him, please? You know, we say all kinds of crazy things, and this is what I've, I've noticed. That in, our, in today, in our narcissistic society, we love to talk. And we love to tell God what we think. Who cares? What's impossible for us is more than possible with God. So I love what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel says, I don't think I can do anything about it. So what do you think, Lord? And so many times I see this even in the counseling sessions that I do. People say, Pastor, I really need some counseling. And they come and they'll spend 40 to 45 to 55 minutes telling me their problem. And I've scheduled an hour. And I'm like, you've given me five minutes while we listen to you talk about the problem for 55 minutes. What if you were to flip that? What if you were to tell me your problem for five minutes and let me share the word of God for 55 minutes? Well, what's the fun in that? I want to share what I think, what I feel. What it... Lord, you alone know. He says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I was as I was prophesying there was a noise and a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone I looked and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them and the skin covered them but there was no breath in them This is what I want you to understand is God is revealing the twofold facet of the new covenant It's a new covenant. It requires two things. Jesus said it to the woman at the well. If if I say that, some of you are going to start tracking with me. The new covenant requires truth and spirit. Spirit and truth. Here, he's giving you what you need to get integrated again. Because this world has a way of disintegrating us, of pulling us apart, of making us double-minded. And God is saying, you cannot be double-minded anymore. You cannot hold on to this world and love me at the same time. you got to make a decision. you got to stand and say, I belong to you, Lord. Though none go with me, I still will follow Because what Israel had been doing is they'd been trying to live a double life. And when you live a double life, that's called what? It's called sinful. It's called idolatry. It's called fornication. It's called adultery. It's called a number of things. But what they've done is they've created in their rebellion a removal of themselves from God. Watch. When you disobey God, which Israel had done time and time and time and time again, they created a separation from God. Watch. You ready? Rebellion, removal. Sin, separation. Disobedience, what? Division from God. Disobedience, division, depression, dismay, discouragement. Come on, am I talking to somebody here today? Discouragement. Watch. Rebellion, a removal, dis, what what else? Let's give me an R word. Ridicule. Where the enemy begins to ridicule you. How about this one? Sin. Come on. Separation. And what? Stress. Stress. Because you can't be separated from God and expect things to be okay. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I like that. I don't like that that kind of preaching. I'd rather just be always on my terms. But that's not the way Christianity works. Christianity is about dying to ourselves because we're the problem and God's the solution. And when we die to ourselves, we say, Lord, There's a reason, and this is what I want to highlight for us today. Same thing Ezekiel was highlighting, what God was highlighting for Ezekiel, is that there is something in my people that's making them dry and brittle and completely dead. These bones had been baking out in the sun. And Ezekiel looks at him and goes, I don't think they can live, but you know, Lord. And God says, speak the word of God. And so that's the foundation the word of God. You speak the word of God and that will bring you back together. It will bring you from the different places that has captured your attention and your thoughts and your philosophical mindset and it will bring you and ground you on something solid that now you are a vessel that can be filled. Watch what happens next. Watch what happens next. He says, He says in verse 9, prophesy to the breath, which is ruah, means spirit. You've got the word and the bones have come back together. They have skin and everything, but they're not truly alive. How many of us know you can read the word of God all day long? You can come to church every Sunday. You can be in discipleship and read your verse of the day every day. But if you don't have the spirit of the living God, you're dead as a doornail. Because the word of God is the start. The spirit of the living God takes the word of God and makes it come alive in your heart. Makes it come alive in your heart. So watch. He says, prophesy to the breath, and he prophesied to the breath as I was commanded, right? And breath entered them, and they came alive and stood up on their feet. A vast army of them. How do I know this is true? Even David will say this after he falls into sin and is separated from God. Disobedience, and what? There is a departure or division between him and God. Rebellion, and there is removal from God's presence. Listen to what he says in Psalms 51. He says this, let me hear joy and gladness. My bones have been crushed. Look at that, my bones have been crushed. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. This is what I'm talking about, guys. I'm talking about us coming back to God and saying, God, I'm done with the enemy keeping me from you. I'm done with decisions that have kept me from you, and I just keep doubling down on them. Today, Lord, I'm running to you, Lord. I'm letting go. I'm casting every hindrance aside. I want to ground my life on your word and let the spirit of the living God bring me to life again. Let joy be restored in me. Give me a joy of my salvation again that I may, what, dance before you, Lord. I want to dance again before you, God. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant in what you're doing in the last days. And when you do that, you will connect with what David had. David understood that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from even himself. What does he say? He says He says this, I will be humiliated. Even in my own eyes. Because nine times out of ten when we're worried about others, we're not worried about what others think. We're worried about what we think others think. Isn't that the truth? And I can remember being a young pastor. I told you last week, the very first time I raised my hands was at Promise Keepers. Raised in the Baptist tradition, I was like, and my brother was like, and we were looking at each other going, this is silly. Let's get our hands up. But I wouldn't dance before the Lord, even though I danced in the clubs. When I first met Pastor, and Mal- I shouldn't say when I first met you, but when we were dating and I was in college, um, I used to dance Thursday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday night after church. And I'd dance at home. I'd dance with my brothers. I'd dance all the time. And I'd be like, We were dancing all the time. She finally said, Would you allow me to go out and dance with other guys? I said, No. She goes, Well, I said, Enough said. I'll stop dancing. I'll stop dancing. But anyway, my point is this I would dance outside, but I never danced in the church until one day I'm the pastor already. And a young man by the name of Tom Cummings, he came from another church. And this church is known for exuberant worship, and I love that. And and, uh, he came and he sat, he stood right by me in the front row. And I'm going, what is this little guy doing? He came and stood right by me. And then midway through praise and worship, he he just starts shouting and celebrating and jumping. And then the next thing you know, he starts dancing. And he's dancing, and he's just dancing, and he's doing the Carlton. I mean, he's dancing. He's just going for it. And, and I know you're not supposed to judge, but I'm kind of like, I've never seen this before. This Baptist kid is kind of getting stretched here in his own church, and I'm like, should I rebuke him? What should I do, Lord? And I feel like the Lord said, don't you dare. And I'm just kind of getting a peek over there, and I'm like, he looks pretty good. Like, it looks fun. Can I tell you? David got over himself. And when he got over himself, his joy and exuberance came forth, and it was attractive to others. How do we know this? How do we know it was attractive to others? Because the very next chapter, chapter 7 of 2 Samuel, the Bible says that he concerned himself with the house of the Lord. You read about this concern about the house of the Lord, you'll find... And I've included the verses. you got to keep up with me. You'll find... No, 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 no. Here we go. Here we go. Whoa, where are you going? There we go. There we go. You'll find that as he concerned himself, the Bible says his affection was on the house of God. Now, some say this was towards the end of his ministry. It was all through his ministry, including after he brought the Ark of the Covenant in. He started to realize, Lord... You're what's most important. I want to build you a house. Now, the prophet ultimately told him, you don't have permission to build the house. That will be your son's honor, but you can raise funds for it. And he, in his exuberance, inspired others to give to the tune. Look at at how much they gave. Just in gold and silver, in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 7, amounted to, almost 9 billion dollars at a very conservative gold and silver rate 9 billion dollars if you take all that they gathered some say it was upwards of 20 billion to 25 billion it was inspired by david's giving david gave 5 to 8 billion of his own you go what does that have to do with dancing Can I tell you, you don't give like that unless there's a dance in your heart. I promise you that. Unless you know that God has saved you. Unless you shout to heavens. Unless you say, Lord, I love you and I don't care what anybody thinks, God. I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about them. And I'm not worried about what I think they think. I'm worried about you, Lord, and I love you, Lord. Can I get an amen here this morning? Can I get an amen? Because Tom was dancing before the Lord and I'm sitting there judging him and I'm going and I'm saying, God, I got to stop judging him because I don't want to be like McCall and have no spiritual offspring. Uh-oh. And so I said, but Lord, I wish I could dance like him. But the truth is, um, he's charismatic. I'm Baptist. He said, I thought you were Christian. And the Bible says that you have been graced. You have been given the charismata of my spirit. Of my spirit. What else you got? I said, well, he's little. You know, sometimes clothes look good on little people and I'm a little bit taller. He goes, that's baloney. I don't know the move, Lord. Mine might look more like cumbia, salsa, merengue, it'll look different. He says, what, how much move do you have to know to, (laughs) I mean, he was just doing whatever came to mind. He just danced And he was just going for it. I said, I said, well, Lord, I I just, I mean, I, I, I mean, what will other people think? He goes, bingo. Now you're talking. It's not about all those things. It's about what you think other people are thinking. And I just said, Lord, help me get over myself. Help me get over myself. Let me be humiliated in my own eyes. Let me be humbled. And I'll never forget what the Lord said. When you humble yourself, I don't have to. And I can raise you up. that's the day I just broke free. I started dancing. And I'll never forget what Tom did. He goes. (laughs) I'm challenged some of your. I'm challenging some of your theology. But I'm doing it with God's word. Because this is what Jesus said. A new day is coming and has now come. When those who worship me must worship me in what? Spirit and in truth. That's the part of the two, of the of the new covenant. Spirit and in truth. Notice what he did when he said that to the woman at the well. He dealt with her sin. Your sin has separated you from God. Let's deal with that sin and let's get you back with the Lord. Then she got theological with him and he said, "No, no, worship is about spirit and truth." because I will send my spirit and he will guide you into all truth and he will reveal to you from my word who I am. And it's that spirit of the living God that is calling his church back to faithfulness. He's calling his church to the new covenant. That's what we are. We are the mark of the new covenant. And just as he's calling Israel back, chapter 37 is under fulfillment right now. The prophecy has gone forth and they're being called back to the word of God. But the spirit of God is gonna come forth when the church is refined as the falling away takes place prior to the rapture. There will be a falling away and there will be a stirring and a fresh wind and a fresh fire that will blow through his church again and give us a spirit of dancing, rejoicing, and revival. And we will be part of ministering to the Jewish people that will bring them to fulfillment of his word. Oh, it's happening. Can you hear me, church? Life is short. Stop being separated. This is the time to get excited about the things of God. This is the time to get in your word, but not just be in your word, to also say, Holy Spirit of the living God, move in me and blow through me. Bring me to conviction so there may be nothing in my heart that would separate me from you. And then God, lead me, lead me, lead me by the light of your spirit and the light of your word and let me be a light to others. Let it be a spirit of joy and revival and exuberance. Come on. It's the days of Elijah, the days of Ezekiel. It's the days that we've been waiting for. The Lord is pouring his spirit upon the earth today. Don't leave me out, God. I don't want anything to separate me from you, God. God, give me the spirit of dance in my heart. I know life has a way of beating it out of me, but not today. Not today. Not today. I'm believing for my children. Every one of my children will be saved in the name of Jesus. Why? Because his word declares it. You shall believe in the name of the Lord. You and your household shall be saved. Therefore, Lord, my children will be saved. Can I get some men, some men of faith to stand with me on that? The Bible says come back to your first love. Lord, the way I felt when I first was called into the ministry, oh Holy Spirit, blow through me again. Revive me, oh Lord. Come on, can I get someone to be courageous enough to say, you know what, I've been separated, there's something going on, I gotta stop this. Lord, close the gap, bring me back to you, God. Help me resist the devil that he may flee. But as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. These are the days of Elijah. These are the days of Ezekiel. These are the days of revival. Lord, you promised it, God. Let it be done. Let it be done. Oh, I'm going to keep preaching till you're encouraged. I want to leave you walking out of here with a dance in your step. If you're going to play it, play it. Come on. God bless you. I can't get my uh, deal open here, but I got it. Listen, as you leave today, be filled with the joy of the Lord. It's your birthright as a Christian to be filled to overflowing with joy. Overflowing. Run around the house and just burst into dancing. I promise you it will change your children forever. This is why Jesus came. He is the new covenant. He is the new covenant. Lord, thank you for forgiving us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name, we celebrate. We come together with a spirit of dance, celebration, and we say thank you. Okay, I think it's to justice here yeah? Church I love you have a great great day you know, Amen The scripture it says that there's a river that flows from the throne of God It's a river of life that brings life and blessing Anyone wanna dance in that river tonight right, want to your in the air Just take someone's hand next to you on the left Don't leave anybody out. Everybody okay at the back? You ready? We're gonna dance.